This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order, cashback guru, low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Not a bad day for Bitcoin. <laughs> PayPal announcement. Where do you want to start, Liz? Right now as we record this at 10.36 my time, 2.36 Pacific time, the afternoon, uh, Bitcoin is now at 12829 It was over 13 in June of, I want to say, 2019, 2018, 2019, briefly. And then it went down again, and then all the way down to 3800 when it crashed last March. But I don't think it – it's been over 10000 It blipped below. And I lo- can you believe I lost $100 on that bet, by the way? It was like five minutes. It was, it was like <laughs> – if, if I had made it 9900 I would have won the bet. Yeah. So it's like ridiculous that I had to pay that. But I mean, there's no limit to where this can go. I mean, it's not just PayPal. PayPal's, by the way, don't buy Bitcoin on PayPal because right. you can't send it to like an offline wallet. It's just trapped there. But right. it's just the amount of awareness. You know, there's $31 billion in balances on PayPal right now. Oh, man. No, I didn't. I mean, if 1% of people do it, that's $310 million. That's more than Michael Saylor spent. Virginia's right. probably 250. Yeah. If, if yeah. 1% of people are like, I'll put a little bit in Bitcoin and while I'm holding this balance, my account. Uh, there's so many companies that have huge cash balances that are going to start thinking about this. Every day there's 10 million here, 15 million there from small publicly traded companies that are just putting a little bit in here and there. It is, it's just about to explode. Oh yeah, this is still the early phase for sure, but it's about, yeah, no, it's totally about to to explode. I was also reading something uh, I never thought of that uh, I'm not sure how much it matters, but how it's like going to rapidly be more mature than even the stock market because it's open 24-7, so, you know, compared to, you know, just five days a week and all holidays and whatever, because the trading is just is, is so much the, it's going to mature, catch up to the uh, the the. the the standard typical stock market. I don't know what that means, but uh, well, I mean, think I, about I'm, banks too. I mean, your bank. I need to get cash. I guess you go to an ATM yeah, in the middle of the night. Right. But it's like I, I need to deposit a check. You know, all the banking stuff that you do is mm-hmm. you need to go into a bank. It needs to be banking hours. I mean, this is twentieth century shit. <laughs> like I gotta talk to a person. Bank says oh, you can only withdraw this much. You permission to oh you can't send to this company you can't donate to julian assange we won't process credit card won't process the payment this is my money as long as you're okay with it mr bank what's the rule for withdrawing i mean it's it's amazing what we've put up with with money you know it's like you've earned money you've done the job somebody else decided they'd pay you 
for the work. That's your money. And then yet that money is totally, unless it's in cash under your mattress, which is, some people do that. Uh, you're, you, you know, it's sort of like it's yours so long as the authorities say it's yours. Yeah, man, I couldn't be more excited though about Bitcoin. Just, uh, yeah, I can only imagine yourself too, but, uh, very, very, uh, so here's another thing I saw the daily news and it's, it's very, very bullish right now. I saw something that was really good. So Michael Saylor, the, uh, the, I like him. What do you think? I mean, it's funny him doing the rounds on like absolutely everything. He's kind of a superstar. I love all like, you know, the, the nerds are like so into interviewing him, but I love his answers, man. I think that guy's so bright and he's like, like on the fly. I, I like him. That guy's super smart. Uh, but he, was on Keith McCulloch's show, and it's this. Uh, yes, guy. that wasn't that a guy that you recommended, an economics guy. I've been wanting to make fun of you for for recommending people, a nutless monkey who said he sold all his Bitcoin a couple months ago. Thank you for bringing it up yourself. Yeah, no, I I said these guys called the crash in March. I I said I don't know going forward if they'll be right. I I never subscribed to his service or anything, but I followed him on Twitter for a while, and these guys are really big about like getting the macro situation right. So they have like quad one, quad two, quad three, and quad four. And I don't want to, I don't care enough about it to know it exactly. But they're, they're traders. They're not just long-term buy and hold people. And quad four is like when everything's crashing and demand is, I think, I could be wrong with this, is completely cratering in the economy. And there's certain things you want to be in gold or whatever, I guess. Or maybe not. Maybe it's the opposite. Maybe quad four. I can't, I, who cares? I don't really care about that stupid system. But the point is that they have, and it may not even be stupid, but the point is they divided different uh, macro situations into different quads. And depending on which one the economy's in, that's how you rotate your investments. And it's more probably complicated than that. But anyway, he's talking to Michael Saylor. And, and the, only, the clip that I heard from the interview, which is on Twitter, was Michael Saylor saying, you know, all these quads that you have are based on the inflation rate. And the inflation people you trade with probably is what the CPI is, which is some chained index that shows like the cost of meat and milk and gas and things like that. And it's like, okay, well, they compare the prices of those things, you know, from maybe TVs, I don't know what else, from last year to this year. And they say, okay, what's the rate of inflation based on the change in the price of an average change of price of a bunch of commodities. But what Michael Saylor said is, uh, no, that's not what inflation is in the, in the world I live in. He said, the world that I live in, the people that I agree with, which are the Bitcoiners, the inflation rate is the inflation of assets. And he said the simplest way to look at it is in 2010, to earn $50,000 a year, you needed a million dollars in a 10-year bond. You needed a million dollars worth of 10-year bonds because it paid 5%. So if you have a million dollars every year, you're getting 50 grand. Now you need $10 million to earn 50 grand on the 10-year bond because it, it pays 0.5%. So he said, that's what the inflation level is. And he said, if you were to say, how much inflation per year do you need to go from a million dollars earning 50,000 to $10 million earning 50,000, that's 22% a year to go up tenfold. That's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. If yeah. you price it in terms of assets, <laughs> he said it's 22% it's no, a year yeah. in terms of like just the, the basic, because if you, and, and really the whole economy. And, and that, right. And that, that is not the argument too, that Bitcoin is an asset, not a commodity, right? I mean, that, that's, isn't that the argument? Yeah, yeah it's an asset. And, and commodity, commodities are like considered, I don't know, like a, you know, they should be something that's traded and an asset's like scarce and something that should be owned, right? Yeah. And, and right. It's a store of value more than, you know, something that is used for consumption or, and I don't really know the difference between those two, but I mean, the te- it doesn't matter to me. The, the point that he's making, which is just so smart, is that the rate of return that you can get on your money 
is changed so much in the last 10 years. It's, I mean, the fact that you used to be able to, oh, I'll invest in some stocks and I'll invest in some bonds. Bonds yield, like a 10-year bond is like half a percent. It's, that's not an investment. And the only reason you would buy that is because you think it's going even lower and therefore the, the value of the bond goes up and you could sell it to somebody else. So when, when yields go down, prices go up of bonds. The, the actual bond, the reason you, know, you buy bonds is for income and these things don't generate income. So do you do with your money? Why would people be throwing so much money at these co- speculative companies like Tesla? Although I, we do have a listener who assures me that, and, and I started to rethink it because Tesla's gone up so much. And yeah, they're interesting. A lot of smart. I mean, they're kind of relate. A lot of you know, Bitcoin community probably overlaps there. But they, I think they recently just like abruptly uh, stopped allowing. Uh, you could return the car within seven days. They abruptly stopped that. But he's a fascinating person. He's he's really interesting and polarizing. Yeah, but I, I just want to get into. I, I'm I'm very dubious, and I my short expired that I spent five hundred dollars on worthless. So that was a loss. At 900 and now like it's like 2,500, like when you count for the split or something, I don't know, 2,000 something. But I shouldn't have done that because I don't really get it. I don't get why it's going up with the uh, amount of money that it earns and the prospects that it has. But, you know, a lot of people just look at Bitcoin and they're like, this is like fake internet money. No, no, thank you. And then they'll like make all these arguments on Twitter, like Bitcoin's bullshit and they get all into it, but they haven't really looked into it. They've just sort of dismissively gone one layer deep and made an opinion. And maybe I did that with Tesla. Like there's so many people who are smart on Twitter who are like, oh, Tesla's ridiculous. This bubble is so ridiculous. But people say right. that about Bitcoin and it's so not about totally. being smart. It's, we said last week, it's about being curious to go really totally. investigate it. So I don't know when I'm going to do this, but in the next couple months, I'm going to go do a deep dive on it and see what I think for myself. One guy was like, you got to test drive it. You got to actually go and like, I mean, that would be what you do, real research, right? You got to use the product. But I don't know if I'm too lazy. I'd love that. you to do that and then report on this podcast. That'd Maybe be... I will. Maybe I will. That'd There's be sick. A Tesla. I, I... There's a Tesla shop in the mall, like near me, pretty near me. So I, maybe I'll, I'll do that. But I'm definitely going to at least look into it because I just don't understand it. And I'm not, I shouldn't be buying or shorting something I don't understand. I, I just don't. I mean, right. I understand it's a car. I mean, I understand a little bit about it. It's a car company and it, it's a technology company and Elon Musk is a good hype man, but well, the neuro Neuralink is also right. I mean, it's a big deal if they whatever they're going with that aspect too, right? But you can just attach any kind of sci-fi. Oh, we're going to do this, so you can you know. But like, I mean, they really displaying chip in a pig. Like I watched the whole thing. Okay, like, I mean, maybe maybe it's maybe it's legit. I got well, you've gone deeper down the rabbit hole in that than I have. So yeah, yeah, no, so very. I, please do that, man. I, I absolutely. I, I should go deeper in it because it's just stupid to even talk about it unless you've really looked into it. And curiosity is your edge. And I was curious. I am curious about. I'm not like so curious about every stock or something like that, but. Tesla, like, there's so many people so stridently that it's a, a bubble and so many people who believe in it. And the price moving up is something. I mean, that's real. I mean, you could have sold if I if I had bought it or kept the, one, the Tesla I had a long time ago. I would have made it so much money on it. But but price is just, you know, it can be manipulated. It can be a bunch of religious zealots doing crazy stuff. Or it can, you know, there, there could be something deeper than just price. So I, I will look into it. But I just thought that that Michael Saylor thing was so fascinating because it's all the investment in companies, whether it's in Uber or other companies that lose money. Like, how is it possible that companies like Uber can lose money for years and keep getting more investment in it? I mean, they have an idea, you know, once they get rid of the human drivers and they have 
driverless cars and then maybe it will make money. But part of that is because there is no 5% riskless return, right? It used to be like, oh, put your money in in T-bills and get like 3% or 5% or whatever it is. You get something for it. But when you make interest rates so low that they're like non-existent, then you cannot buy bonds for income. You could buy them to trade, hoping the rates go even lower, but you're not buying them as investment, as an, as income. So if the riskless rate of return is close to zero, you're, the money is desperate to go somewhere. So it goes into all the blue chips, Apple, Tesla, Amazon, and those things go to ridiculous heights that are not commensurate with their earnings because there's just nowhere else to put the money. You're going to put it in stocks or bonds. Bonds pay nothing. Most of the stocks are shit. You have this giant economic pullback with 22% unemployment. You're not going to be buying the average stock. But there's a bunch of stocks that either are benefiting from you know, lockdowns and everything going online. And there's a bunch of just monster companies that you feel pretty safe about, like Apple and Amazon and Tesla's become one of them even though they don't do anything remotely close to the revenue of those other companies. But we're just in this world where yields are so low. And so Michael Saylor's point is, oh, you're looking at, you're measuring these quads, these different investment environments based on like inflation and other things, but you don't even know what inflation is. You're not even looking at what the, in front of your face, like what the real measurement of inflation is, which is 22% a year, the T-bills went up, the value relative to their yield. So it's like, if, if, if you think inflation is 22% a year, which is just astronomical when it comes to assets, then Bitcoin, okay, we're in the inflation that we need for Bitcoin to go to the moon. I'll say one last thing. People say, well, if it's really 22% a year, then why, you know, why aren't, you know, why is my TV still cheap? Why are, why can't I get a 60 inch flat screen for 500 bucks now? You know, why is it that that's possible? And this guy, Jeff Booth, I didn't read his book and I've heard good and bad things, but he's talking about that technology is extremely deflationary. I mean, think about what a flat screen, think about what a 50-inch flat screen that you could buy now for 400 bucks cost in 2000. Yeah, didn't didn't calculators used to cost like $250 when they first came out? Yeah, probably. You know, all that stuff, right? Everything was just you know that like some teenager in Africa with a crappy smartphone has more computing power uh, in his fingertips than Bill Clinton had as president of the United States. Technology is massively deflationary. When we measure inflation, and we don't take that into account, but if you just look at assets, which are not really, you know, technology is not really involved in that in terms of like bond prices, it, you see how much inflation there's been. Sailor's the great, uh, you know, speaker for, for Bitcoin. Though he's, I love watching or listening to his interviews. I believe hope.com links to all of them because that's uh, from his company. Um, did we talk, about, did we talk about domain names? No, I don't think so. So I was like just going down a rabbit hole of that dude, and, and he was on some other podcast. He's talking about domain names. And it yeah, was he like, has a bunch of them, and that's what I just heard. I guess hope.com now like leads to all his Bitcoin stuff, but interesting. Okay, continue. So he like sold voice.com for $30 million, and he says, you know, I, I probably sold that way too cheap. And you remember like in the 90s, there was like a land grab, people like squatting on all these domain names. You remember people sure. would, okay. Sure. And it seemed like, oh, that's kind of a hokey idea. Like, oh, I'll get like, I don't know, fantasysports.com, fantasyfootball.com. And that'd be worth a lot, fantasyfootball.com, a lot of money. What do I want? I want fantasy football. Boom, fantasyfootball.com will come up in the search. So basically, he and this guy were saying that owning like something like voice.com, but like even better, like art.com or something like that, music.com, 
it's like owning like the best block of real estate in every city in the world. He said that in, in the English language does like 80%, 75-80% of the world's commerce is in English. Uh, and so, and that's just how it is for now. And it's not likely to be displaced anytime soon. And because, you know, like India speaks English and obviously UK and, and US and, and, and a lot of Europe, like Germans mostly speak English. I mean, they right. speak lots of English. I mean, obviously it's their second language, but they almost all speak it. So English is like 80%, 75-80% of the world's commerce. And so those words, those English words, which he's like, now, you know, people go to Facebook or they go to Twitter or whatever, but those are like walled gardens. You know, it's, it's, it's like AOL used to be. And the actual URL, it's just like the actual place you go. And so those domains are worth so, he just believes in that. Well, he made, it's obviously made a lot of money doing that apparently, huh? Yeah, no, but but he said like it's if you just look how fundamental it is. He he basically said that the process of the last twenty five years is things being dematerialized from the real world to the internet, and so you know you have Zoom dematerializes meetings and Amazon dematerializes shopping and Facebook dematerializes you know some kind of. I don't know what the hell your people are doing on Facebook, but you know what I mean? It's, <laughs> and, it's, and now Bitcoin is doing the same. So this money. guy's so forward thinking and he's, uh, he's and on he's, to the next yeah. thing. And, yeah. But he's saying that like the, every, you know, all these, every technology that takes something in the world and puts it into the digital world and these addresses, like if you think about like in that world where everything's dematerialized, like the basic English word for something is, is where you go. And especially when it's voice activated, if you're just like art, you know, find me some art, like art.com or something would be worth a couple billion dollars. And you have to pay a lot of money to the search engines to get your, apparently, I don't know much about this, to get your, your site listed high, um, you know, when people are looking for certain words. But if you're that word is the URL, I think it's easier. And the other thing he said is if you have a site or a business, it's just really good if you tell somebody the business verbally and they'll instantly be able to type it in online and not forget it. If you're like, sure. oh, where can I find your work? Art.com. You're just going to, you're not going to forget. Like, it's so obvious, right? Rotowire.com is not great. It's not great. Yeah, well, you need to know the niche with all the rotos, but... Um, like so, Yahoo is a good name for a, a site. I mean, it, it's one of the reasons it probably succeeded early on. It's just very simple and... Well, you guys, Roto News, if you did know the niche, was a pretty, pretty good one. I mean, that was pretty awesome. Roto News was pretty good. Rotowire is not quite as good. And the fact that, you know, Roto World then did the same name, basically, and then a bunch of other ones. That, you know, it's whatever. I mean, that ship is long sail. But, I mean, the fact that, you know, we, we're doing good. We're a strong business, healthy business. But would we have 10 times as many subscribers if our, you know, was, if our URL was fantasy.com? Fan, well, fantasy.com is definitely some porn. But, you know, fantasyfootball.com. <laughs> you know, like, if it was fantasyfootball.com, I bet we'd have five or ten times the amount of uh, subscribers that we have. You have a blog, rotoscoop.com, that maybe I can sell for 30 mil someday. <laughs> Rotoscoop. Uh, that's not, that's not uh, getting it. I got the scoop on fantasy sports. Oh, yeah, my, yeah, I, I get it. I still get have it. all my, uh, all my uh, link everything there still. But um, the, I was devastated when Roto News went down back in the day, man. I was so, so, so devastated when, when it went out dark for the – yeah, it felt like three years for me at the time because I was. It was such a leg up then. No one else was reading that. I mean, no. no I mean, no. You know, no one else was was providing that. I should say. You know, I mean, it was it was a real commodity, man. Yeah, no. I mean, the idea was great. It was Peter's idea and Jeff and Herb and Roto News was a decent URL. But yeah, really good. But yeah. obviously, if you had 
whoever is really smart bought fantasyfootball.com and made more money from yes, doing right. that yeah. thing that we did, busting our yeah. asses for 25 yeah. years, totally. you know, whatever. Just had a better name, yeah, totally. And that's all yeah. you had to do. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, frustrating hindsight, but yeah. We, well, we get in now. Now is the time to get in on Bitcoin, but uh, or I guess ideally a little bit earlier. But um, yeah, man, I'm we're, excited we're, for it's it. Now, well, it's 12.9 now. I mean, by the time we're done with this podcast, it's going to be at 13. I, I think, you know, I was reading some other guy who's like, oh, yeah, these these $1,000 a day moves. You think these are exciting? Wait till it's $10,000 a day. Oh, man. <laughs> I don't know. We don't know shit. <laughs> We, everyone's yeah. got to calm down. You remember you bought in at 15 when I first told I, oh, you about it? Oh, I do it? remember that. I do, yeah. I do remember that. Did yes. Pretty soon, yeah. people are going to be like, dude, you got in at 15, you lucky dog. How did you get in at 15? <laughs> <laughs> I actually, uh, it, it's also funny that you did lose that bet in five minutes. Sorry, it, 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 sorry you're lost, but that is kind of funny that it dipped oh, just for two bullshit. minutes overnight. <laughs> bullshit. Uh, you know what's funny? I bet with that dude. I made two bets with that dude. One, I bet that... Um, some of those Russiagate guys would get indicted, fraud. And that dude, Kleinsmith, the lawyer, got indicted this summer, but I said March 1st. I don't know why I said March 1st. I just was getting cocky that it was getting close, but COVID happened, and I don't know if that had to do, anything to do with it. But he got indicted in July, I believe, June or July. Got right. Kevin Kleinsmith got indicted. So I was right. I just, my timing was wrong. I had to buy the dude's stake. Then I bet him 100 bucks that Bitcoin wouldn't dip uh, below 10000 before the end of the year. Now, you know, there's still two months left, so who knows? But... Um, and it dipped to nine, nine, you know, nine thousand nine hundred something. Yeah, a few things coming up, you know, like the who knows if it totally decoupled from the stock market. The stimulus is it coming or not? Is uh, the election, you know, all that unrest? A few, 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 uh, few variables still remain. I guess there's like something I'm not sure the details, but I know there's a lot of uh, people the foreclosures in the next thirty days or something that could pop up. So um, yeah, I don't know. Still a lot of uncertainty moving forward. That's for sure. There's all this crazy macro data that's like, oh, these banks are kind of in trouble and these landlords are in big trouble and these storefronts are in trouble and these office buildings are in trouble, commercial real estate's in trouble. Is it just scary? Is it, yeah, is it no, true? No, it's all real. I mean, it's all real data points, but it's kind of like, you know, when you're trying to analyze football and you're like, Taylor Lewan is out for the year and then Devin mm -hmm. Bush, you know, that could hurt the Steelers' defense. And you just really don't know, like, what's going to be the... That's fair. The, the, the Jenga block that gets pulled out and everything collapses, or you just pull one out and nothing happens. You play Jenga, right? Yeah, of course. So yeah. You, you know, it's just like you, you can't tell by looking at it necessarily like which one is the key block. And football is the same way. You don't know which one is going to pull down the system, but you're like, damn, they're pulling out a lot of blocks fast. And maybe it's just all – I don't know, man. I, I stopped making – macro predictions i just i just love things like to point out just facts like to get 50 grand you'd have to put in a million in 2010 and now you gotta put in mm -hmm. 10 million that is crazy if you think about it yeah i know that is framing it the better way using the right denominator it seems like um well where yeah so what else man what else can we talk about the uh the biden laptop it seems kind of crazy that the media doesn't really reporting much on it Right. I actually listened to Ted Bell's podcast. It was pretty good. Yeah, I saw. The, I haven't listened to it yet, but I saw that you retweeted it. So I will, I will check it out. And his point was sort of like, yeah, the laptop's got some corruption stuff on it that, you know, whatever. It's, it's not good. It should be illegal. But this is the kind of grift that's been going on between Washington families. I mean, Joe Biden has been in politics for like 30, 40 years, and he's rich as hell. Like, how is that possible? The Obamas came in as pretty modest of modest means, and now they have a $13 million house in Martha's Vineyard. 
you're not supposed to get paid that much for being president. Oh, they wrote a book, but like a lot of times those. Uh, oh yeah, isn't it like the salaries like four hundred thousand yeah. or something? Right? A lot it's of not, times yeah. those book deals, they'll give them fifty mil to write a book, but it's okay. like who owns the who owns the book publisher? It might be some conglomerate that has a lot of things that you took care of earlier, and they give you some oh. deal. They don't care how much money they make on the book. It's it's. Or these, you know, the, the Clintons did the speaking fees, you know, and, and a lot of all the presidents did. Obama did too, you know, these speaking fees where Goldman Sachs pays you five hundred grand for like a couple hours. Well, uh, you're a very engaging speaker and you're incredibly famous. I mean, who wouldn't pay five hundred grand to hear Hillary Clinton speak for two hours? Uh, no, you know, and and it's not just when people are like, well, they're out of office. Like, who cares? They can get the money. Go get the money. But it's like what they're. It's actually not even for them anymore. Although they still have huge influence in the party. But it's also because whoever's still in Congress, in the presidency, who sees that says, oh, if I play ball, look what's waiting for me at the other side. As soon as I get out, I can get these very cushy gigs. So you think, oh, well, they're out, so it's cool. But no, they're, they're setting the example for what's to come. Oh, yeah, you played ball, you get this. You know, if, if Bernie Sanders got elected president, he would not be getting 500000 from Goldman Sachs, I guarantee or he might if he played ball, which he might. I think I don't. I don't want to speculate, but I don't know if it would be what people imagined. But anyway, the point is that that kind of corruption has been around and it's bad. But Ted Bell was saying, you know, the Biden stuff is it's dirty, but it's it's not. And it was from 2014. It's not that big of a scandal, basically. It's not going to like sway. It's not going to move the needle. Knowing what is the basic. Baseline. I guess politicians' sons are like often conduits to like that or something. I've heard a lot of people claiming that that's like, oh, like as you said, that's it's commonplace or whatever. It's common. I mean, oh. it's, it's bad, but it's again, like no one's gonna be like, oh my god, orange man, bad. But look what Hunter Biden did. I'm gonna switch my. I mean, I don't think it's gonna make a difference. I feel like everyone's decisions, a vast majority, is probably but, probably made. Up. But so, but then it's kind of weird because why does you know New York Post still can't tweet after doing that? What is Twitter doing? They're like literally preventing political reporting that no one even denies the emails. No one denies that those are real. Right. And, yeah. and apparently the, la- the laptop shop got, you know, was their possession because he left it there because he's such a fuck up. He doesn't care. He left it there, the laptop. I mean, there's nothing. It doesn't seem yeah. like there's anything untoward going on. And if there is, we'll provide some evidence of it instead of just yelling Russia. But the crazy thing isn't the, the scandal with the Bidens. It's the scandal with the media and Twitter both the media and social media. Journalists should be up in arms about suspending the New York Post's account, but they don't care. They're like for it. And Twitter just didn't allow people to retweet that, you know, that post. I mean, I think it's a stupid well, move if you want Trump to lose because you're basically just proving everything he said, proving everything that Trump supporters say about the media and about social media. And you're just basically giving the story legs and creating a second order effect where, where nothing, you know, nothing was trusted anyway, but where it's like, wow, like I thought I was maybe being a little paranoid, but this is just factually true. Why do you think the media is seemingly biased when they seemingly would get more clicks with another four years of Trump? Because the people who own the media, their bosses have much more control over the, the career politicians who serve them. So if you, are a Comcast or a uh, Amazon or Google or whoever, and you have Hillary Clinton or Joe Biden, those people know how to butter the bread. They, they are professionals. They, they get your interests 
met. They know how to do it without embarrassing you. They know how to do it without uh, calling too much attention to what's being done. Okay. They will right. handle the job. Because that's right. okay. They will handle the people the job. who own the companies want them to be to win president. Those Why? people Is, okay. handle right. okay. war making, redistribution of wealth, and, and everything else very professionally. And I mean, I don't, I don't think Hillary Clinton's the, the the best representative, but she's certainly better than Trump for them. Because Trump might just say something like, "Oh yeah, the, the generals hate me in the military industrial complex, but the troops like." He might say something like that, and then all those companies are like, "Uh." He's, he's, you know, making us, and he's like, oh, I could call Exxon or whatever he reportedly said. It's a hypothetical. Uh, that other thing, I was half following it. But like, he makes those companies look bad. And that is just not what they want. That is not what they signed up for. They want a smooth professional covering their asses and getting their, you know, their agendas achieved. So that's the bigger game, not some temporary ratings, because of course the ratings would go way down if Trump lost. So who, and then the people who work for them who I was going to just say and then the people who work for them think they're on team good and are happy to report you know well, report I don't, against I think they I think secondary I think the people who work for them know what their bosses want you don't get you know to be in that sort of nutless monkey star role without being able to suck up and know sort of intuitively what your boss wants and so they know how it needs to be covered they you know the agenda has been set they they adhere to it and even though their star will dim without Trump to beat on, if they want to keep the job, they play ball, basically. Um, yeah, Giuliani's made the news a couple times here this past week for not only the laptop and having to turn over uh, stuff, but I guess he's uh, makes uh, some sort of scene in the new Borat movie, too. Um, and the, what, so what do you take of the polling, man? And what is over polling certain sides? Do you know what that means exactly? And can you explain that? Um, it seems uh, that that could be an issue here. And are you... Do you have to? Do you have a prediction on what's going to happen? No, I, I really just, I, I really don't know. I said last week, like, I, I don't. I know. It doesn't even. I'm sort of out on all that stuff now. Like, yeah, you know, we, you, know you won't watch the debate. The yeah, if there's a last debate and they I cut a bill. I don't okay. care. I mean, I'll, I'll read about it secondhand. I feel like asking me to predict a game that I know is going to have some refs cheating in one way fans doing some cheating on the other side. Like, yeah. I feel like the refs are cheating for Biden, but there might be some fans who put some angel dust in like <laughs> one of the, the quarterback, you know, like, you know, like the, the Republicans, I, I, I don't know if there's, I don't even know, maybe they're che- Maybe they have refs also, but it seems like the refs work for the Democrats, but the, there's some dirty business probably going on with the security guards and the fans and the stadium for the other team, but you can't really handicap a football game based on and then some of the metrics like imagine if like you're trying to read like yards per play in the metrics but like stats inc which is totally crapped out. i don't know what's going on with stats inc but oh man yeah is you know, i trying to write about it yeah, yeah, it's, I, don't, yeah I don't even know what the hell's going on but imagine if like your stat it's a good timing uh, on this that your stats inc provider whatever your stats <laughs> provider is only sending you know the stats aren't necessarily reliable so you're trying to get the ypp you know to handle the game you know to handicap this game and you don't even know if the stats are faulty or not yeah. meaning the polls and then you know that the refs are cheating anyway so you've got faulty stats cheating refs and then other dirty business from fans security guards and whoever you know who knows what and you're trying to say well who's going to win the game and by how much and i just feel like it's not even it's not even interesting to try to handicap it to, to make an analysis of it yeah okay all right fair um i know before we got started recording you went on and on about how you wanted to talk about jeffrey tubin uh, no, I didn't. But uh, 
I think OJ had the best take of anybody. <clears throat> it's funny when you're being shamed by OJ on, uh, on social media. But I don't know if you know who Jeffrey Tubin is. He's like a legal analyst for The New Yorker. And he's just a... I, I don't read him. He's muted. He's one of the easy mutes. He was an early mute on my Twitter account. It's one of those just lockstep neoliberal picture like the most nutless monkey neoliberal. That's him. But apparently, you probably heard this, everybody. He got caught exposing himself, getting ready to battle the Cyclops during a Zoom, Zoom meeting with like some other... 10-minute like, break. With like 10 some, minute break. 10-minute break. 10-minute break. You know, you got to yeah. battle the Cyclops in the 10 minutes. Yeah. And... You ever heard that phrasing before, Battle of the Cyclops? I haven't heard that one. Yeah, I like so, it. So, uh, yeah. of course, like, there's, like, three New Yorker ladies, journalists, who are in, they're just, like, watching uh, shock and surprise. And it's, like, irrelevant to anything important, but it's just funny that it just happened to a... Totally, just technology, you know. And, it's just, just, a, yeah. and a dude like that, like a sanctimonious dick. Right, I <laughs> like, got like it, yeah. a sanctimonious scold, you know. I just, I just, yeah. It just cracks me up. So that's kind of funny. There's one other thing I want to talk about. I went on a little uh, Twitter thread, and I feel like the information ecosystem, the information, you know, whatever you want to call it, has autoimmune disease in the sense that normally if you're a person who thinks about anything, you're skeptical of authority. Like, the, you know, the president. You should be very skeptical of what the president says or skeptical of what Congress says or skeptical of what you know, some pundit on TV says, you should be skeptical, right? Like you, it's it's like an immune system to being lied to and cheated and fucked with. But instead there's like autoimmune disease where we're skeptical of exposing the lies about the system. So if Julian Assange publishes uh, information showing that we're committing war crimes, a great risk to himself, people are like, uh, he's a traitor. He needs to go to jail. First of all, how could he be a traitor? He's an Australian citizen. But secondly, people are like for his prosecution. But it's like they, they don't believe him. They're like they've turned the skepticism toward him. Their skepticism to the truth teller, the whistleblower. Edward Snowden, they're like, he's a traitor. No, you should be skeptical of the CIA. That's a healthy information ecosystem would be like, yeah, authorities lie, governments lie, powerful people lie. And I'm not saying you take every cranks whistleblowing or truth-telling at face value, but there's like huge amounts of people where, who just like, all they do is if you say, nah, I don't, I don't believe that that's fake news or CNN's not telling the truth. They're like, oh yeah, tinfoil hack guy. There's so many people who are like devoted to not being skeptical of authority and power, but actually like being skeptical of people who are skeptical of power. It's like turned on itself. So instead of just having like your cells protect you from, you know, the bad stuff, you have the cells turning on the, you know, turning on the protectors and, and you're having this like autoimmune reaction where, and, and maybe it's like a legacy media CIA psyop or whatever, they hire all the ex-spooks, but you, you have like, and I actually think a lot of these are bots too, actually. And I'll tell you, I have a, th- I have a reason why, but I don't know, man, it's uh. It's like it's like we it's like the information ecosystem has a serious autoimmune disease. I'm with you on that um, in general, but I will say it's interesting timing because right now the media is trying to hammer you with the Q and on. Uh, be be very skeptical of this group growing, which of course obviously they have their 
the craziness. But um, they're, they're, the, the point is that I've never seen more emphasis on not thinking uh, uh, critically. You know what I mean? Like not, maybe that's not a perfect comparison, but they're definitely trying to get you to not have everyone. These are quacks if you if you think uh, differently. That's really out there right now. Right. They're trying to make QAnon be the same thing as Snowden or Assange or skepticism about the Russia conspiracy, Russiagate. You know, right. everything right. you don't do in lockstep makes you QAnon. That's what they want. Yes. But, exactly. and it, but, it's, but that's like an immune system. That's like an autoimmune disease where you now are trying to tell everybody that the, the thing coming from your TV is true and all these people who don't believe it and some of whom have gone further and, and made up, you know, outrageous conspiracies – that, that, that's all the same. Not believing your TV, not believing your president, you know, well, no one believes the president, but not believing Team Good is the same as QAnon. And, and it's, it's like an autoimmune disease. And you see people enforcing this stuff. I mean, I post stuff all the time. And people will be like, oh, yeah, right. And you know, when you write in lowercase and capital letters, it's like a sarcastic, it mm-hmm. makes like your lo- you know, they're like, legacy media, man. It's like, oh, really? Like, you're, you're, they're mocking me for like characterizing the media ecosystem as something untrustworthy i'm like wait a second you you may or may not agree with what i'm saying but to the extent you're going to bother to tweet at something shouldn't you be challenging the powerful authority that is telling you you know there's sort of the 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 large megaphone of of authority that's coming from the media of this is what's happening and cia sources tell us not somebody saying you know, the legacy media has misled us. They're targeting it at, at the person who objects to it. Yeah. Sarcasm sometimes not the greatest. It's the only way. If that's all the response you can get, you know. Um, yeah, I was going to say, didn't you have to leave uh, the XM show early the other day and you waited in line? Uh, talk oh, about, about that situation. <laughs> so, you know, I'm, like, so with respect to COVID, I'm pretty careful. Like, I, you know, I mean, I, I see people, but it's usually outdoors. I go to restaurants, but they're outdoor restaurants. Um, I don't wear a mask outside, but I wear it inside in the grocery store, wash my hands, you know, as much as I can remember to when I go back home. You know, I'm, I'm like reasonably cautious. As I've talked about this, I'm not really scared of getting it. I don't want to get it, but I'm not scared of it. It's just sort of like, you know, the way to kill this thing is not to spread it. And the way to spread it is not to get it. And so that's just kind of how I am. So I, I got to get a Portuguese driver's license because you have to do it within 180 days. It's been four years. So I'm, when I drive which I don't even know how to drive a stick shift, which is all we end up getting. So Heather drives. Um, when we get an automatic, I drive it. But she's going to Heather, Heather's going to Oh, you don't. So I, I Heather, don't know. And, right, I'm from New York, so I have an excuse. Like, I, you know, it was like, didn't make any sense to drive one of those. No one had those, and I always had an automatic. But anyway, so she's going to take me out driving to learn to drive a stick shift. But I also have to get a Portuguese license because if I'm driving a lot and I get into a fender bender or whatever, like insurance is not going to be happy if I'm using a license that I'm not really supposed to be using. That's not very real man to not know how to drive stick, by the way, neither of us. No, I know. A real man drives only stick <laughs> yeah. uh, in a, on a steep hill in a city. But, sure. uh, but the point is that, uh, yeah, I've, I've, you know, she took me out for a lesson or two. I'm sort of getting it, but I'm not ready to drive in like Lisbon traffic yet. You know, we got to start the process of getting, this is kind of a boring story, but we've we got to start the process of getting a license. And there's so much bureaucracy here. So the first thing I had to do, I went to this driving school and I had to go to a doctor in the driving school, make an appointment and just get like do an eye exam and just basic, you know, or just make sure I'm like physically fit to drive. And so I go, you know, I make an appointment, I go and there's like eight people waiting and it's downstairs in this dungeon basement with no circulation. I mean, people are wearing masks. But it's like, I'm like, this is like, if I were breeding COVID, this is the place I would choose to breed it. It's like, it's a dank, dark, <laughs> shitty building. Like, 
And I can't believe these people are sitting. So I'm like going back upstairs, going down, but they call out your number and you can't hear it. And I didn't want to miss it. Mm. Oh yeah. man, what a fucking, I would, I, like in, in eight months, I haven't gone in a place like that once, not once. No ventilation yeah. down in the bay. I'm, I'm like sitting there waiting. I'm like, what am I doing? This is so ridiculous. Anyway, so if I, if I end up with COVID, you know where I got it. Um, so I've, I've been super safe and cautious uh, myself on this past weekend. Um, took my daughter and watched a, a, to a get-together, watched Lomachenko fight. He actually got upset. And um, she was just so, so happy to play with kids like she hadn't been. It was just like going crazy, calling me the best dad ever on the way home. And it was just like, man, what a weird time, you know? But um, anyway, so I, I put myself at, at more risk. But uh, you were in a dark dan- dungeon that sounds oh, even gonna, worse. Yeah. I mean, I was like, I may as well have been like sodomized in that dungeon. You know what I mean? It would have made no difference in terms of my COVID yeah. risk. But, but the other thing is, uh, it's like Sasha sees friends all the time. She's at school. And yeah, no, my, 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 my daughter is too. Oh. No, my daughter is too. Cause I know that Jeff was asking that, but we, uh, the public schools in California aren't, but private schools are, my, my daughter is too, but it's just, uh, I don't know, maybe it was not any different once she's in all the floodgates or once you're back to school, I guess it probably it's all, it's all for no, whatever. You're right. The floodgates are open at that point. Yeah. All right, we're going to talk football. Yeah, let's do these. Let's do these games. Well, before we get to the games, actually, we did want to ask you one thing: is I only have only had Directv um, and never listened to Scott Hansen. I have heard him on a podcast with Adam Levitan, and he was quite uh, entertaining, I will say. And uh, Andrew Siciliano is actually neighbors with a buddy of mine, so those are my only connections. I, I want to hear your thoughts on Hansen. I hear you have a hot take. No, it's not, it's not the hot take so much as he's fine. Like it's a hard job, you know. It's a lot of dealing but i used to i couldn't stand kurt menefee either scott hansen they're cut from the same cloth they're like just super enthusiastic cheerful dudes and you know you know how it is you're living and dying with the shit right you got nfc high stakes you got against the spread super contest you got survivor whatever it is and this guy's like oh my god did you see that interception let's watch this again that is a ha 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 that's an incredible intercept you know everything's like that it's and I compared it on XM to like my daughter brings home some of her friends and we allow them to eat too much sugar. And they're like running around the house like maniacs. And you're trying to work or trying to deal with something and you're just like getting enraged because you're like, just calm the F down. Like this is, you know, and, I, and the XM show I would, it's like you fed them a bunch of sugar and then went to someone's funeral who had committed suicide and they were like jumping, bouncing off the walls. And you're like, you know, I'm at the funeral right now. Something bad happened to my fantasy team, or I'm very upset about something that happened on the football field. And you're acting like this is the funnest thing ever. And what happened was last week, there's only two games in the afternoon. They're both blowouts, and both I was on the wrong side of the spread. And I just was like, dude, I just can't take this shit anymore. I just can't take it. I can't take the cheerfulness about this. I can't. It's just like, I don't want to listen to that. And it's like listening to an annoying, cheerful conversation, like on the bus that overly cheerful for too long a little bit's fine you know but it's just i was like overdosing on that dude so it, it wasn't really i hear you no if, if, I, if, if he's I anything did, like the podcast i heard i, I that checks out for like, sure dude, and i would be annoyed like, dude, too you were called extra frustrated i was beating you and beat chris Liss. Uh, um I, I got you got, got live tyreek hill man I, I, if tyreek hill just has a decent game but and then I, and then also you had the you beat me with my own team's defense too yeah, that was a, a, a an actual addition of ad I added ahead of time. But uh, so I scored. Go ahead. I scored two hundred points in a, a, a RotoWire Online Championship team this week with Mark Andrews and Mostert combining for thirteen points. That's a non superflex. That's PPR, but that's still pretty good. Two hundred points. That's pretty exactly. good. exactly. How are you doing but, um, in that anyway, league overall, though? 
Um, I think I'm, I don't know. They're 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 all okay. I have a lot of man Henry man. So hopefully we we we're moving on up. My teams are are looking better. Um, yeah, my fantasy teams actually had a pretty good week. Everything bad bad week against the spread for me though. Uh, I think everyone did, didn't they? We've been terrible. Yeah. So my prime time team is I think in twenty fourth place, and my the B Chris list that you're not in. Luckily that you dodged the bullet is in I think thirty sixth overall. Nice. So those two oh, are nice. good. The one I'm in with you sucks. Thank you. Oh, sorry. Nice. 31st overall. 31st overall. Nice. So, so uh, knock on wood, I'm probably – I lost Dak in those two teams. So those teams are – you know, like a lot of those points were gotten by a guy who's no longer playing for them. Right, right. Um, a classic uh, – yeah, I'm looking at none of the – none of them jump. I'm pretty good in the classic and silver bullet, but – um. Yeah, the online teams need to pick it up. Um, all right, let's do. Let's pick it. Let's pick it up. Let's do uh, against the uh, the spread here. Um, go ahead. Where are we starting? All right, Thursday night. Thursday night. Giants. Game. Yeah, I actually haven't done uh, staff picks yet, so I don't even know who you. I didn't even look at who you have, so we're just going to be going on a clean slate. So I took the. I actually got lucky. I made this line four and a half, and it was three and a half Tuesday morning. I was like, ah, shit, I'm on the Eagles, but then it moved to four and a half by the time I wrote being the book. So I made the, I took the Giants, but you you see how little conviction I have in this game. Yeah, the line. Sorry, what line did you say you used for four and a half? Four and a half. Oh, okay. Yeah, uh, yeah. I think it was like three and a half when I sent it to you last night. But um, I took, I took the Eagles. Danny Dimes, what first touchdown since week one last week? Um, I could see Slay shutting down Slayton, so they may not move the ball, but uh, whatever. Not not one that we would use. What you realize that the two Darius, the two people whose names start with the letters S L A Y, are both named Darius. And they're going to be so guarding one another. It's very yeah. weird. All right. Browns at Bengals. Yeah, I took the points here. Um, another one I thought that it was a spread's pretty pretty spot on, though. Mayfield's bad, but um, yeah, I think the spread's on on this one. I, I would use the Bengals. Oh, you do like Bengals that much? Okay. All right. I, I just think they're – they suck, but the Browns <laughs> land more than a field goal on the road. I don't see it. Nick Chubb, I think, was a big part of that power running. Like the, for the Browns, oh yeah, right? three and a half. I like more. I saw okay, the insider showing three, and I, I'm with you at three and a half. I, I do like that more. Okay, and, and just like you know, with Mayfield throwing a lot, that's that's a recipe for failure. Cowboys pick them at football team it was Cowboys minus three initially, uh, but mm-hmm. I I made this Cowboys plus three, so I would also use the football team. Yeah, I like them. I earmarked them as one of my five favorites. Uh, and I don't think I'm just being bitter after being spectacularly wrong with Dallas last week. I think Washington has a way better defense, and I think Kyle Allen's been more than competent. So, uh, man, short travel or whatever. I guess Dallas, I don't really like going against teams coming off an F-minus performance, but still, I think Washington's going to win this. Yeah, I mean, also, I like Ron Rivera. They asked. First of all, he went on fourth and four after a, a running into the kicker penalty at the end of the half. They, they got a touchdown, and then he went again for two to win the game and killed me against the spread, but it was still, you know, the, a good move. And I asked him after the game, like, what are you doing? Why were you doing that? And he's like, you know, our team knows that to win games, you need to execute plays. And this is just one play that you need to execute. And that's, and he's like, whenever it's, you know, a situation like that, I want to have them earn it and execute. And I think it's such a good attitude as a coach. Who cares if it's 0.1% EV when it's close enough, always do the bold thing. Always do the thing that puts trust in your team to, Totally. To win it, I just think the guy's probably at least a good coach. You know, he may not be splitting the atom, but he, you know, that's better than like Mike McCarthy. 
Very annoying, speaking of which, the divisions. Dallas on pace to allow the most points ever in their in first pay, place, and, and but there's apparently already problems with McCarthy there. So uh, as a 49ers in the West, it's quite different in that division. But um, well, 49ers yeah. would be like a prohibitive favorite to win the yeah. NFC East. But uh, And Dallas wins against the Giants against Atlanta. I mean, we're both very shaky. The Atlanta one, I mean, was just stupid. They should have just fallen yeah. on the onside kick and it would be over. Totally. I do think Andy Dalton will be a fine streamable fantasy option moving forward, given that off that defense inability to run and three receivers. Not this week, but and how bad he looked uh, the first time. I still think he will be streamable. Yeah, I was thinking of dropping him for Tua. I've got like three, you know, the leagues that I have Dak, I picked up Dalton, I picked up Danny Dimes. I'm kind of just like I got when you have no quarterbacks, that's when you have three quarterbacks and you just hope to like pick matchups. Right. I was thinking about picking up Tua. Just, just like, who knows? What if he's like really good? Totally. All right. Uh, Lions plus two and a half and Falcons. Uh, I took the Falcons here. Uh, they look a lot better with, with the healthy Julio, the new coach and all that. But they've also allowed the most yards per play in the NFL. So this, you know, didn't love it. But I took the Falcons. Yeah, I made it two and a half and it is two and a half. So I took the Lions, but that was a total coin flip. Mm-hmm. Panthers plus seven and a half, the Saints. I would use the Saints. Uh, I don't want to copy Rufus Peabody entirely, but he loves the Saints. And I can see watching the games what, he, what his numbers are saying. The sense that they, the Saints look like a good team, even if they lose to the Raiders or even if they haven't played great in a couple of the games. They, they still look like a team that has a lot of success down in and down out, like offensive line, defensive line, and they get Michael Thomas back. Probably, presumably. So I'd lay the wood. Yeah, I think Thomas Speck isn't nothing, and he's like reportedly nearly healthy enough before the suspension, and that was a buy in between too. So I'm, I'm down. I'm, I'm okay with laying the wood here. Um, yeah, they're uh, probably better than they've shown so far, and Kamara could go crazy against that Carolina run defense. Okay, Bills minus 13 at Jets. Set this line at 12 and a half, and then on Monday night and then Tuesday morning set the lines one last, massage them a bit, and then I actually look up the lines. I, I was like, yeah, that's too much. So I'll say 10 and a half. And then the line was 12 and a half. And then I was pissed. I was like, <laughs> man, I had it, you know, I, now I'm like forced onto the Jets rather than having the choice to be on the Jets. And it was all because I made, why did I edit it? Like when I go with my first initial impression, the 12 and a half is where I need to, to be to take the Jets at least, you know, and I, I was pissed. And then I, I wrote it to this morning. It was 13. So I was like, okay, good. Like the, the, the change, I would have been on the Jets no matter what. Right. I do agree the Lions have been off with the Jets, uh, but man, what they were eight and a half point dogs in Miami last week, and now they're 13 point home. I mean, that's a big, big jump there. I get I get that the Bills should be fired up coming off two losses, but they're also playing a short week and Darnold might even play return to practice. So I held my nose and took the points, even though this Jets team's on pace to have the worst point differential ever. Ever. So that's not ideal. But well, I, I taste the, the worst point differential ever, but I did a little column about this. And Miami yes, you did. Yes. point yes. was considerably yes. worse. But then Rufus on the show, oddly, had done the same research or knew someone who had and said that, well, yeah, the Jets are the third worst team in the last 15 years, but the Dolphins were the worst. So I just only compared the Jets to the Dolphins because that was the one that came to mind because I remember how bad they were last year. Right. And I was like, oh, yeah, the Jets aren't that bad. Look, they're better than the Dolphins were. But then I didn't realize that the Dolphins were, that they were, you know, that was rare company, those two teams. Are you calling for a similar turnaround with uh, Flacco and Gase? No. no. (laughs) In the column, I distinguished that it's unlikely they go five and four. But but the thing about the Jets, obviously, and, and this is 
trite, and I used to think about this more, but especially in a case like the Jets, the book can't have everybody betting the Bills and the Bills winning by 20 and they're just paying out millions of dollars. They can't have that happen. So they need to get action on the Jets. And it's not going to be the Joe Schmo, yeah, I think this is the Jets' day. They're going to bounce back. It's, those guys aren't going to be betting the Jets. It's going to be the professionals who are like, all right, you take Joe Schmo's bet on the Bills and I'll, you know, I'll take the other side of that, basically. It's, it's got to be the professionals for a bet like this. And so the book has to set it high enough so that the professionals are like, yeah, I'll take that, no problem. They don't want to set it too high because then the pros are going to you know, put even more money down and they're going to have the opposite problem. Right? But like, this is the, this is the number. So I, I feel like the, the, the true number has got to be lower than this. That's what I'm saying. The spread jumped five points from last week and they went from on the road to at home right. versus to, with, yeah. to me, Buffalo and Miami are similar teams. So yeah. I think they did make a dramatic point correction here to, to beg. Yeah. Or yeah. To get to, to buy get some, some action on action. the other side. Yeah. yeah. To be like, right. okay, I, you know, so, we need you to take this bet and we're going to pay you a nice premium. And the shops yeah. are like, Ooh, you're giving me three points more than this is worth done and done. Great. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, I think that's exactly what's happening. And, you know, I mean, again, the bills could win by 30, but no, I was blindly going against the Jets every week until I looked at that, and I'm like, oh, no, you're going too far now. Yeah. I was like, no, I, yeah, I totally reassessed, and I'm with you. I think that's what's happening here. Okay, so uh, Packers minus 3.5 at Texans. What do you got here? I like the Texans if it's more than three. Um, I get that Rodgers should bring his A game after last week. By the way, thanks for talking us out of the box, man. I like that. I didn't feel so great when it was 10 nothing well, right thanks away. Thanks for talking but, us out of the Bengals. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, I know the Colts, you're right. Yeah, yeah. Wait, wait, wait a second. No, no, no. And and that is incorrect. I will, I will, I'm too lazy to splice tape from last week in here. I didn't talk us out of the Bucs. I said, if you want to use it, you can use it. I just said, I have the Packers, but I don't feel strongly. And you easily could have used the Bucs. But you actually talked me out of the Bengals. You liked the Colts. That was ugly. How much was that? You you live in a glass house. You're Glass Joe living in a glass (laughs) house, and you're throwing rocks at Tyson. Don't do it. Uh, Tampa Bay D is legit. Um, anyway, uh, their left tackle, Bakhtiari, is banged up. Um, man, Watson's so good. He was so pissed losing that coin toss because he knew that meant yeah. the game. So unfair that with a, a combined 78 points or whatever. Obviously, coin toss. How is that fair? Dude, he has Houston getting the second most yards per play this year with David Johnson as his running back. He lost DeAndre Hopkins. No Bill O'Brien's led to a bunch more play action. So give me the home team getting more than three. I mean, yeah, definitely like the Texans here. I'm going Texans outright. You know what it should be? Yeah. Like the total of the game should index where the ball starts. So if it's like 60, when it goes to overtime, it should start at the 15 or the 10-yard line. <laughs> you know, if it's like 20, then it could start at midfield. Yeah. You know, it shouldn't just be like, I know, it's too complex. People couldn't deal with it. But it's too ridiculous. In this game where there's like a 70% chance to score the touchdown – then, you know, you're just going to – it's like a 70-30 advantage. No doubt. Yeah. This one is, what, 57 points. High over under. Should, yeah. be, should be a good game. All right. Steelers minus two at Titans. Uh, whatever. This one's – the spread's right. Uh, I went with the Steelers here just because their defense is so much better. Taylor Lewan's out for the Titans. But who knows? That team just keeps getting it done with turnover ratio. And now A.J. Brown and Corey Davis healthy. I'm a believer in Tannehill. So – this is a, should be one of the most watchable games of the week and a stay away for gambling for me. I took the Titans. The Luan injury worries me against this particular opponent. Though Devin Bush, I don't know how big he is. I remember Steelers had some elite defenses. They lost Troy Polamalu, and then the whole thing fell apart. I don't know if he's... Shazier, kind of too, right? That year they lost Shazier. Shazier was a big part of it. I don't know. You, know. you don't know. Again, it's like the Jenga piece, like which one 
You no. pull out, it's no big deal, and you pull a different one out, and the whole thing collapses. So they're both missing very... I mean, Lewan seems more serious in, in this particular matchup, but the Titans, since Tannehill joined, are like the best team in the NFL. And oh. Tannehill's been like the MVP of the league since he joined, and they made it the AFC title game, and that's the only game they've really lost in a long time. So, and they were up double digits in Kansas City. Right. Yeah. So, and Vrabel, Vrabel knows what he's doing. Oh, how cool is that? Yeah, how great was that call last week? Cheating 40 seconds or yeah. whatever, the forcing the 12th man on the field. Amazing. He's, he's smart. He knows what he's doing. The other thing is, and no one's talking about this now, but they had those COVID practices, and they got busted for a couple. They probably had a couple more. The Patriots were super flat after the layoff. The Titans won two games in five days. They crushed the right. Bills, and they beat a game Texans team and in overtime in five days. And people are like, you idiots. But it's like, yeah, but we're – five and oh now <laughs> you know and like nobody's right. got sick no. and mean, the punishment was minimal apparently too I, mean, I don't think they're gonna get hit hard yeah i mean so it's not as if that turned out to be a huge error i uh, just you know no one's really gonna remember that so i think hold on i think i think unless i'm looking up the stats wrong and ever because of the uh, the unexpected buy this is pittsburgh's first road game since week one i think and it should be a a good uh, matchup because they're they've allowed running backs the fewest rushing yards this year, and obviously Henry. Thoughts on Henry, man, my guy. I told you the guy's a beast, man. Well, look no. at dude, who runs ninety four yards like that, that big. It's just crazy how easy it makes it look. No, but I wasn't arguing that anyway. I was I was just saying I thought he was going to. No, get you hurt. said he was a fraud, and you said he's no good. I'm just no. I, no, I said he was, I said he was likely to get hurt at his size and the workload, and that he's not much of a pass catcher. He did get fifty two yards. But it was not get, two catches. Not even getting the targets yeah, either. That targets. I, that I yeah. So he's so I mean, it's like he he doesn't have the PPR upside. Although he does if he scores twenty five touchdowns and gets two thousand yards. I mean, it doesn't really yeah. matter at that point. So you know, I thought he was an injury risk, and it's been week six. He's if, he, if he's out for the year tomorrow, then you'll be like, ah, you were totally right. Because my take was he's really good. I wasn't like you know, I, I just said no. You know, receiving is nothing, and. Uh, and he's an injury risk. But it's crazy that Tannehill's also put up numbers too. I mean, that's interesting. That, well, I was uh, talking about that with Jeff today. I was like, you know, if you have a running back like Christian McCaffrey or Kamara or even Barkley when he's healthy, yeah, it hurts the quarterback because he's going to score touchdowns, but they're also going to get so many like Kamara and take short passes and runs for long touchdowns. You're like, that's helping the quarterback. That guy threw an eight yard pass and got a 70 yard touchdown. There's no conflict between quarterback and running back. And I was like the, the, worst guy for the quarterbacks like Henry who gets 30 carries a game and does nothing for his quarterback but somehow Tannehill is also crushing it even though Henry is crushing it too it's very strange yeah, yeah. I don't know how sustainable it is but they run a super fast pace and they uh they have both the worst red zone defense and the best red zone offense so just a ton of touchdowns being scored I think they've allowed 14 of 16 red zone trips to result in touchdowns and yet they're still five and oh but should be a fun game between two undefeated teams Big Ben does not look um totally totally back where do you where do you rank I know you, you you never answer fantasy questions on this but I'm just curious what would you who whom would you rather rather have on your team rest of season I would assume obviously Juju is a distant third but Deontay or, or Claypool or Juju probably Claypool just because Deontay just can't be he never stays healthy so I mean I can't really he might end up being really good but it's hard to say but Claypool is like he's like what Evan Ingram was supposed to be if he was a football player like he's 6'3 240 and runs a 4-4-2 and that's just that's like Julio Jones, Calvin Johnson freakishness. It's bigger. He's bigger than those guys. He's more dense, stronger than those guys. And he's not quite as fast as them, but he's still 4-4-2, which is like as fast as OBJ. He's like as fast as OBJ, but he's, he's 
the size of Mike Evans or bigger, actually heavier. And he's good. He looks like a football player. He takes handoffs. He looks like he moves well. He's not like, you know, he's not like not coming back for the ball like Evan Ingram or not. You know, he has awareness, it looks like. So he could be just a complete monster, you know, like another DK Metcalf. You know, DK Metcalf's even faster, but just one of those guys that's like, there's no player on defense that can deal with this. Yeah, the weekly goal line carries help fantasy value too. But well, Juju, crush, I think, it's a distance player. Connor, though, the last thing yeah, you want to see is them handing off to some receiver at the goal line. Yeah, Connor's been great though since week one. But yeah, I think Juju's a distant third man. You look at his a dot in that situation. I think he's a way distant third. But you're right, Deontay can't stay healthy. All right, next game. Seahawks minus three and a half at Cardinals. I took the Cardinals. They always seem to play Seattle tough, and. They're just a weird team. Like Kyler Murray is so weird. He's like impossible to stop because he's so fast. But there's no rhythm to this offense. It's just not a real offense. And the Seahawks are really good, but their defense sucks. So laying three and a half on the road, I I rather have the Cardinals. Yep, I'm with you. Russell Wilson's obviously the best, but it's more than three at home. I mean, I know they played on Monday night. The Seahawks had a bye, but um, yeah, that's a lot of points. Uh, I mean, it's more than the three there. I mean, yeah, I, I like the points too. Cardinals. All right. Mm. Uh, Niners plus two and a half at Pats. I made this three and a half. I think the Pats off the losses and they'll have their practices. The Niners are weird and they're probably good, but uh, I'm saying the Pats by three. It's a stay away from me. I sent you in Niners, but um, I, I don't really, I've been wrong on them every game since week one. The Pats have lost two in a row, you know, looked really bad. I don't like betting against, against them this week. Uh, although, Looking back, you know, the game that Newton looked so impressive was against the Seahawks defense as it's been getting shredded. Um, they did not look great defensively against Drew Locke last week. But um, no Mostert. Uh, Debo, minus 30 air yards. I mean, what a gimmicky offense. They're going to they're gonna be in trouble. They're down to their third-string center, and Trent Williams is banged up. So, yeah, I'm not confident there. Jimmy G against that secondary. Yeah. Yeah, not confident. Chiefs minus 9.5 at Broncos. Who do you have here? I, I would use the Broncos, actually. Maybe this is dumb and Mahomes will make me feel silly, but it's mile high, KC in a short week, and I don't know, Denver's kind of getting healthier. Their, their defense is pretty good, actually, so I like I like the, the points here. I like it a lot. I made it 6.5, and, and it's 9.5. I mean, 6.5 on the road would be a big number. This is 9.5 on the road. The Chiefs are not attacking down the field. No. And Rufus Peabody and a couple other people suggested this that like against the Chargers also, they were just sort of going really vanilla and not really breaking out the whole playbook when they're big favorites, which is kind of yep, weird. Yep, that's what I thought. Yep, that's kind what I weird. thought. Like they lost to the Raiders doing that. But it's like if the Chiefs aren't throwing a Tyree Kill and Mecole Hardman, who I had in my lineup, so annoying, <laughs> then yeah, Mahomes killed them on a couple scrambles and they're still good, but you're not like, oh, the Chiefs can name their score if they're not attacking. If it's all just little, if it's CEH and short passes. It's not that scary. So I agree. I'd use the Broncos too. Yeah, no, they ran more than any Andy Reid coach team last week. He's coaching 22 years or whatever. So um, I think their offensive line is an issue. I like KC's defense. I think it's underrated. But again, Denver's defense is pretty good too. And Gordon and a healthy Gordon and Lindsay's kind of, you know, interesting against that KC team. I think it would help too. So yeah, I would consider using that. All right. Jaguars plus eight at Chargers. I made the seven and a half. So it's a coin flip. Uh, I, took the, I took the Jaguars, but I don't feel strongly about it. I uh, kept going back and forth. I took charges. Don't feel strongly about it either. Okay. Bucks minus three at Raiders. I made this a pick em. I know the Bucks defense is first in yards per play, uh, and they looked amazing against the Packers, but it was such gift stuff. I mean, pick sixes and just uh, Rodgers missing open guys. So I took the Raiders here. 
Raiders defense third worst in yards per play, so it couldn't be much dif- more different uh, among the de- between the defenses here. But they're coming off a bye. Tampa Bay, a huge win. Um, I know it's some possible COVID outbreak there to pay attention to. It's a Sunday night game. Ronald Jones is so good, man. I keep hyping him. He is just he's he is he's ridiculous. I hope Fournette just stays away there. I don't even have Ronald Jones uh, many places, I have but him man, I keep. I know. Yeah, I keep ranking him aggressively. He's a uh, looks like such a beast. He just uh, runs hard and aggressively and quick, and he just looks like a really good early down. Like if I watch him and I watch Josh Jacobs, Ronald Jones looks better than me. Yeah, I dude, few backs look better with the ball in his hands. I know he drops the ball still time, maybe whatever misses some block assignments, but the Raiders have actually allowed the most fantasy points to running backs too. So I, I don't know. I can see him going crazy here. I, I I took the Bucks, but um, the Gruden Bowl should be a fun one. Yeah. All right, and then oh, I actually have something to say about uh, this. Well, actually, I took a note here. Hold on. Do you know that um, that uh, the win is um has closed during the weekdays now and it's just going to be open from thursday till till sunday man las vegas is uh i mean that's like a 2000 room resort the biggest one on the strip is now just open from thursdays uh, to sunday and uh, what happens again like it, it, we're done with the summer finally which is great for them because i mean the air conditioning costs and everything has just got to be out of control but these things just sit idly for four days every week or three days it just seems like I don't know, man. Things are going to get dingy. You're going to start seeing like signs of wear or disrepair, and you know they're going to be laying off staff. It's oh, they have. It's sad. Yeah, no, no, yeah, no. It's been hit among the biggest cities and the most in the oh, world. Of uh, course, I mean it's all tourism. Yeah. I mean Portugal. I mean I shouldn't be like looking over there because here it's it's all tourism. This economy too. I I, I told you last week that this guy I followed on Twitter. He said like the COVID is the wave going out, and we haven't had the wave come in yet. In the tsunami, you know, the first thing that the, the, the shore goes way out is what happens initially. And then mm. the giant wall of water comes in. Right. And he said, the wave's just going, it's just gone out. And we've yet to see what it looks like when it comes back. You think that's true? I don't know. I, I've been predicting this for months and nothing's really happened. I mean, I don't want, I mean, for some people, they've been devastated. People have lost jobs. They've been bankrupted. But in terms of like the overall structure of supply chains and functioning of yeah, no, I've actually read some infrastru- all infrastru- infrastructure right. of the modern world. You know, it doesn't really seem to have collapsed yet. You know, we haven't been hit by a tsunami. It doesn't feel like. Right. I mean, there's all these, no, again, like I, I live in a sort of insulated place where I do my job online. I'm not like I'm sure for a lot of people they're like, dude, what the hell are you talking about? There's been a total collapse. Like no one's working and people are angry. But I don't, I don't feel like it's seeped into like the, uh, the like infrastructure, the supply chains, the, you know, the food supply, the ability to go out and get something if you need it. Yet, I'm done making predictions because I've just been wrong and I've just been, I, I don't, and I may not be wrong. I told you I lost those two bets with my friend, but I was right on both. My timing was just wrong. So right. it, it certainly could get worse. I, I hear you there. I mean, I, I don't mean get worse like, oh, the stock market drops by a thousand points or unemployment goes up a little bit or something. I, I mean, like something that's like a phase change, you know, not just like a little economic. I mean, again, like economic data is people's lives. So I don't want to downplay that. But I mean, like where we're not in like a good or bad economy or recession or whatever, but like something breaks like fundamental. And I don't know if that's going to happen. I was like sure that was going to happen four or five months ago. 
And now I'm not so sure, but I'm also not remotely sure that it's not going to happen either. But anyway, this yeah. guy on Twitter just said the wave went out. It hasn't come in yet. And mm. I still, I still kind of instinctively believe that, but maybe I'm just a doom. I'm just one of those doomsday cult guys that like, Oh, it's going to happen uh, January 2nd, 2021. And then when nothing happens, I'll say, no, 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 no. It's been revised April 15th. You know, you can just keep pushing the, the apocalypse back. Right. That, that's what people do in those cults. Mm-hmm. I've read about some, yeah, some, some doomsday supply, supply chain stuff with possible unions breaking up and whatnot. But I also say the whole China, Taiwan situation isn't is something to definitely. I don't uh, think that geopolitical it, stuff is it. I mean, it could, anything could go off. I'm glad you say that. I'm, I'm glad, I'm glad to hear that. No, 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 dude, don't, I have no expertise in this. So you shouldn't, don't, don't rely on that whatsoever. I could be totally wrong. But it just seems like this shit that you read about all around the world or the shit you read about, this dispute over this or that, to me, that's, it just strikes me as unlikely. It would be something fundamental at the core, like the dollar doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Like you, you go to buy something, they're like, dude, these dollars, we don't take them anymore. Like something that just rips the rug out from under everybody. You know, like they just printed so much money or uh, there was this commercial back in the day. It's, I don't, it's, it's a long podcast. We still have one game. Who cares? deal with this tomorrow but there's this commercial in like the internet boom like late 90s early 2000s and i don't know why i remember this i remember it because i felt like they had the wrong interpretation so these guys set up a website and a product and they okay we're live and they push the button they're all gathered around the screen and it's like one you know like one buyer clicks so it goes to one ding and they're like cheering two ding three ding and they're like, woo, this is great. And it's like the 10, and all of a sudden goes 20, 34, 50, 100, you know, and like thousands of these things are coming in, and they're all look all like, and then the message of the commercial was, oh, you, you have to be able to execute on this or something. You need our software to execute or something. But I thought the message was, oh, obviously this is fake. Like you didn't get 10,000 orders in one second with your new company. So this me- you're cheering when it's like 10 orders, but when it's 10,000 orders, it's obviously meaningless and something, it, the measurement's broken. That was how I interpreted it, but like the commercial wasn't didn't even consider that possibility, that interpretation. They just thought, oh, now you got to go service all these orders. And the reason I thought of that is because the money supply could be like, oh, look all this money I've got. Oh, this is amazing. My stocks are at like all time highs, you know. And like the idea that like it's going up, 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 like the ticker's going, and you're celebrating, and then you go to actually try to use it, and the system's frozen. It doesn't work anymore. The banks are insolvent the the there's credit card companies aren't there's the, they won't people won't take credit card that's what i'm talking about that kind of fundamental systemic financial collapse not like oh we had a hurricane here and it wiped out some of this or we had a uh, unemployment numbers or we had the stock market drop or we had a dispute and this supply chain for this product is not you know available that shit's all bad and could lead to some stuff but i'm like what if the actual medium of exchange is just all of a sudden like they wake up one day and they're like, wait, you just handed out a trillion dollars to this company and a trillion dollars to that company. And what, it doesn't mean anything at a certain point. Or, or, or I'll give you another example. Let's say you and I bet a hundred bucks on, on fantasy and, and I lose and we go double or nothing and I lose and we go double or nothing and double or nothing. And then suddenly I'm owing you like 50,000, a hundred thousand, 200,000. I'm like, dude, double or nothing on 200,000. And at some point you're like, oh man, I should have just collected the hundred bucks because are we really still betting double or nothing on 200,000? 
I mean, would you rather me owe you 500 bucks? You mean it would, right. When it becomes to the point of you're just going to continue, obviously do it until. No, no, no. I'm saying, how are you going to, is it even a serious bet if we bet $200,000? No, if it's 500 bucks, okay, you know I'm going to pay if I owe you 500 bucks. But if it's like, if we bet 5 million bucks, why is this a hard point for you? If we bet $5 million. Yes, yes, yes. It's it's like it's not even real because the number is just what do you mean you owe me five hundred you want five hundred from me you don't want me to owe you five million it doesn't do five million is the same as zero okay five hundred is five hundred and what happens when the economy gets like so out of whack oh Tesla's up to two thousand twenty five hundred five thousand what's it going to go, twenty thousand what does it matter you know like it's just not real I mean it's real in the sense that if you have a couple of shares you can sell it and get the cash but if everybody's getting the cash. Monopoly money. It's monopoly. Like, and then what happens when like this, you see what I mean? Like the money, the money has to correspond to something to the product of the economy. It has to correspond to the, the collective work that's going on. And it, once it's just like untethered from that, there's a, there's a point at which, and that's obviously the case for Bitcoin basically. So we're back full circle. I, I, yeah, I, I hear you, and that could be possible, absolutely. And um, I've personally gone less doom and gloom, and maybe I worried too much about uh, you can get in rabbit holes previously. But there are some signs that, yeah, the, the future, and the, a lot of hurdles that I mentioned earlier in this podcast still to, get to come here. And civil unrest is uh, very much possible. I'm not sure there's going to be some massive thing like you're saying, though. I don't know if that is. is well, I'm not saying it's going to happen. I'm just saying that's what I consider the the tide going in all right last game monday night uh bears plus five and a half at rams i made it six so i took the rams but i just couldn't i can't go with uh bdn on the road against a good defense i was like they're just so ineffective yeah i really like buying uh sean McVay low here i think they're gonna run on chicago and chicago is gonna struggle playing from behind i actually made him my best bet but it's not like i felt super strongly versus the texans or broncos so if you We'll see about our five, but I do like the, the Rams to cover that. I, I do. Um, so who who are, we, who are we going with here that we agreed upon? So we go football team, Texans and Broncos. Those are the three that we clearly Texan, did. Texans, Broncos, right? And then we can go and then Ram, you like, Rams. And I kind of okay. like the I kind of like the Bengals. Right, Bengals and Saints are the only other two I wrote. So yeah, so I okay. wrote I wrote Bengals, football team, Saints, Cardinals, and I also like the Cardinals. Right and Broncos. Okay. But if you want to sub out the Cardinals for the Rams, that's fine. Okay. Um, football two, three, four. Okay, cool. All right, yeah, we'll, we'll look at this. We'll look at the spreads, and we'll talk the next time. But those, uh, yeah, we'll we'll, uh, we'll come up with five uh, sure to be winning picks. We'll go two and three. I, you know, we never go one and four. That's the thing. That's how good we are. <laughs> we never go one and four. So no doubt. All right, long pod. Good, right. good catching up, Liz. Um, hope all is well with you and the fam. All right, you too, man. Take it easy, Dom. All right, later, man.